Good morning. It is February 1st and I kind of thought I'd do a theme of like self-love this month and I know the people that know me think it's going to be all about masturbation again. I mean, obviously, no, <laughs> that might be in there. But um, no, it's kind of more like I'm kind of tying it into I just finished up this week five of the Science of Happiness course that I know I posted a link in previous podcasts. You can look that up. But it was like a free Yale course that they offered online. And so we've been taking it and it kind of was just things to bolster your happiness. And I thought, you know, I could just share it with you, just the high points. And then kind of it rolls into self-love. So some of the things they talked about this week, things that like will absolutely make you happier. And some of them just seem like so we know this already, but I think it's just us putting it into practice. That's the problem. But it talked about your signature strengths and there absolutely is like a quiz the first week or something you take that talks about your signature strengths. Like what are you good at? And if you can figure out what those are, and maybe some of you already know, maybe you need to take the quiz to figure out what they are. But when you know what they are, if you find a career that enhances your signature strengths, like that will absolutely make you happier. And I mean, I really do a good job at organizing chaos, if you will. And so like being in the ER, I do feel like I could shine in the environment. Although I also think for me personally, it makes me very sad in that environment because like there's so many things I want to do that you just don't have the time to do in that environment. Like all the education and things that I like about nursing, like if you can sit at somebody's bedside for 30 minutes and talk to them, but then your coworker is getting slammed with like three or four people at the door while you're doing something you love there, you know, so it's just, it's just not easy to do some of the things in the ER that you would like to maybe do. So another thing they talked about was meditation. And I have tried meditation. There are plenty of apps on your phone that you can look up um, and do. I just suck at it. Like I have ADD and it probably would be beneficial. We've tried it with the kids too. And like, it'll just, and you know, it's a voiceover and it's like, oh, relax your mind. Oh, I didn't turn off any of my alarms. You're just going to have to deal with that today. But um, it's relax your mind and then it's quiet for 30 seconds and it'll be like, did you find your mind wandering? It's okay. And like, of course, my mind was like in some kind of scenario that has never happened in my real life, but I'm thinking about what if this happens? So like, yeah, I've really, I just have a hard time being in the moment. So meditation was supposed to bolster your happiness. Um, exercise, just 30 minutes a day, three times a week, will improve your happiness. Now, I always caution this with like, you know, if you have like true depression and anxiety and PTSD and things of the sort, exercise will not cure it. Like, let's not be those people that are like, you know, oh, running saved my life. Like, good for you. Maybe you didn't have an actual chemical imbalance in your brain. You just had the sads, you know, you're a little bit sad. And sure, vitamin D and getting exercise will absolutely be beneficial. It's beneficial to all of us regardless of what we have going on, but it's not like a cure-all. So I always want to make sure that that's been said, but 30 minutes a day, at least three times a week. So we actually started that running app, but we do it inside. Like, I mean, most people have treadmills. We're just like running around our house and then walking and we do it for 30 minutes and we usually watch like Supernatural and we get the kids down to do it because we missed doing jujitsu and we had 30 minutes of calisthenics and 30 minutes of trying to choke people and we don't do that anymore. So clearly we've all, we're getting chubby in the middle, some of us. 
we're already chubby like me, but uh, we worry about the kids getting some kind of exercise with being cooped up in the middle of winter. So, you know, if you have a treadmill at home, great. If you don't, fuck it. Run around your house in circles. I mean, just run in place, just something. Do some sit-ups, some push-ups, some kind of like get your heart rate up. And if you want to bundle up, you go outside for walks. So that's also going to improve your mood. And it's self-love because we know we need cardiovascular health. You know, we need to be healthier. We need to exercise our bodies. Sleep was another thing. And God, I just have the worst sleep since I've been a teenager. Like I always, I mean, it's not even funny. I'm not making a joke out of it. I'm joking because that's how I deal with things. But like, I always figure I was undiagnosed with bipolar because like, when, I remember going to a counselor years ago and they were asking all these questions. And because I'm a nurse, I'm like, oh, if I answer truthfully, they're going to label me with bipolar. So I like lied through the whole thing. I know that's not good. But anyways, I remember being like, you know, 16, 17, and I would be awake all night. I would just have these phases where I couldn't sleep. And I would be like moving furniture around my bedroom at 3am. Like that was totally normal. Like, you know, lift, pulling the carpet from the wall, like trying to lift up a huge bed by myself. And I was like 90 pounds as a teenager. I just really didn't develop until late, late. And um, I would just be like moving a whole bed and dresser. And, you know, I wasn't smart enough to take the fucking drawers out of the dresser and move it. it no, I was just like, dragging it across the floor in the middle of the night and rearranging my room. And uh, I've just always had bad sleep go to sleep by midnight or one, wake up at five in the morning. So I've been literally over 20 years operating a four hour sleep. And I know, I often wonder if that's why I'm so, I get sick so easily. Because like you look at any kind of like studies on people that don't sleep well and all the bad things that happen when you don't get enough rest. And I feel like I just live that, you know, you're crankier. <laughs> it's a nice word. I, I'm just going to go with bitchier because I'm totally bitchier. I don't have any patience for any level of bullshit because I'm like, I fucking had two hours sleep and I'm ready to snap. And I have interrupted sleep too. So there's that. That's also with menopause, you get shit sleep. So it's like a double duty and very fun. So sleep, sleep is a huge thing. Try to get some sleep. I mean, usually the melatonin, Benadryl, Ambien, um, maybe a glass of wine. I, I don't know what your preferred method is to try to get some sleep, but sex, masturbate. I don't know. Something that will help relax you to get sleep. I've tried them all over the years. <laughs> I promise you, I, I don't have the answer for you. So I think it's just whatever works for us. Um, so you know what, though? No, I, I, I take that back. I take that back. A couple years ago, a friend of mine did a yoga class she offered in her basement. And she was, you know, she's getting all these different degrees in nutrition and whatnot. So I had went over to her house and I did yoga at like eight o'clock at night. And we did a, an hour long yoga session. And when I got home that night, I remember going right to sleep and I slept like fucking nine hours or something crazy. Like I hadn't, and I don't know if it's just like, if I exhaust my body to the nth degree, then I'll fall asleep from exhaustion. So that could be it too. Like if you're, you know, counting your steps a day and my doctor's like at least 10,000 steps a day. And yeah, I'm, I'm lazy some days. Like I get maybe 700 and you ask how that's possible. It's because I sit on my ass and watch Netflix and I just get up to pee and eat. So yeah, it's possible to be a lazy slug and get 700 steps a day. Now, Clearly, if you're at work all day, I mean, it would be no thing for 12-hour shift. I'm in a small-ass hospital, too. So when I was working a 12-hour shift, I might get, like, you know, your 8,000 steps just running back and forth in 12 hours. And then by the time I got home, yeah, I could easily hit 10,000. When I worked in Cleveland and I had to park miles away from my job, I got, like, easily 14,000 steps, you know, in just that 12-hour shift. And then, you know, so I was much better shape back then. But anyways... 
Oh my God, I just lost track. This is what happens when you have ADD. Exercise, sleep, step count, exhaust yourself. Yes, exhaust yourself to try to get some better sleep. Uh, what else do we talk about in that class? They talk about being kind to others. It's, that's so hard for me. It's so hard for me. Like I see nice people who are very kind and I'm always just in awe of them because I'm, and again, we can blame menopause or it could just be me not trusting too many people in any ways. Like I'm like, oh, you're nice. Like what's your angle? So I have, I have difficulty. I mean, I, I think I'm nice in general. Like if I go out and I see, oh, you have a beautiful dress, you know, and give people compliments when I see him or make jokes if we're in a really long line. Like I, I think I'm kind of nice. But then I, I guess I just don't care if other people perceive me as being nice, you know? Like niceness just does not get you that far. Like you have to be have your well set boundaries and not take any shit. So I don't know. That was they talked about kindness and there's a whole study where they gave somebody money and like five dollars and then twenty dollars and they were like measuring their happiness and what they did with the money. And the people that like bought somebody else a cup of coffee or gave somebody money that needed to borrow it were like happier than people that just like bought themselves a treat. I feel like that's so weird that like we're not promoting self-care and we do that. I, I guess I get like, you know, yeah, it makes you happy when you do something for others. We had a winter that was really bad, blizzard weather. And at the time, Miles's grandpa needed pills and he lived in Orwell and I'm in Ashtabula and it was like a really shitty drive to get to Orwell in horrible weather. But Mark and I buckled up Miles, who probably was maybe, I don't know, seven or so at the time. And we went down to Orwell to get his prescription and then came back home. We helped multiple people. I don't know what vehicle we had at the time. Mark would know. I felt like we had the Bronco, but maybe not. But we like literally had a chain. We're pulling people out of ditches off the side of the road. Like I, I swear we helped five motorists that day that were stranded. And I remember like how excited Mark was that we were helping all these stranded motorists and how, ex you know, because it makes you feel good to do something for somebody else. So that's another thing to boost your happiness. They talked about social connection having some kind of connection to others. And I thought about this pandemic and how hard it's been for people, especially if you come from a large family and maybe you're used to going to like Sunday dinners and having like all your cousins and, you know, aunts and uncles and everybody over, you know, how hard it might be to not see those people now. I mean, Mark and I both come from just immediate small families. He has a brother. I have a brother, you know, that's it. We don't have like tons of siblings. Now, personally, I come from a huge like extended family where, you know, I've got like, I don't know, I want to say like, if I counted all the aunts and uncles together, it's like 19 or something. I don't know. And then, you know, all the cousins, I lost count. Like I know from my grandma, just, you know, she had her seven kids, nine, but seven that survived. And then 25 grandkids and 50 some great grandkids. I mean, like when you do all the numbers down, it's like a hundred people just from her. So I have a large family. But that being said, you know, yeah, there's things I miss going out to coffee with girlfriends, meeting my geek girls for a once a month little get together. There's, you know, so social connections definitely can improve your mood versus people. I mean, there's done studies on people that have close personal relationships that they live longer, that they're less likely to get sick. Or if they do have some kind of, they suffer from a catastrophic event, they have all that support system there to help them through it. So those were kind of the things we talked about for the happiness course. And the last thing I'm going to touch on was they talked about time affluence. And this was basically that people that chose time over money were happier. And I, I get in theory what they're saying, because yes, if you didn't have to work ever again and have money for things and you could just do the things you enjoy, of course we would all be happier. 
I mean, I know there's always that one person that's like, oh, I, I get happiness for my work. Like, good for you. Like, if I didn't have to work ever again in my life or I could choose my career that would make me some kind of money that I could, it would be writing. I could just sit at home, do it on my time schedule, not have somebody tell me, you know, oh, you didn't do the fall score. We have to send you an email, like some bullshit. Like it would just be, you know, whether people like my book or not, that would be it. But, uh, time affluence, I also thought sounded like such a privileged thing. Like I assume people that can, I mean, me and Mark are not well off by any means, but like we did buy a house knowing it was foreclosed we bought a cheap ass house that needs a little work, but we bought it because we said, can one person working part time afford this house payment? And I know that seems odd, but we live Murphy's law and we like going into this 11, almost 12 years ago, buying this house. We asked that question and I got to tell you over the years when Mark had three surgeries in a year and I was currently the part time worker and he couldn't work for a whole year. We tested that theory and yeah, things were tight as shit. And we had to let go of some things, you know, like you cut cable, you cut the things you can live bare minimum. But yes, yes, I can afford this house. I'm one of us working part time. So I kind of think if you make those choices, you know, we all decide what we want. Do we want two vehicles? Do we want to buy our kids a brand new vehicle? So we have three car payments now. Do we want to have all the newest cell phones? Do we want to, you know, when you, you make those choices, you kind of get stuck in working X amount of hours to pay for those things. You have credit cards. You got to make monthly payments. Like you can survive without credit cards. We've had things break down that totally sucked. We're like, oh my God, here went the water heater. You know, most people that I know, it's hard to have a savings of like, you know, $10,000 just sitting in savings. If something happens, you can pilfer into that. But when things happen, you're like, okay, well, you know, I guess I can go to Lowe's and maybe this time around I'll get a Lowe's credit card. And then once I pay that off, I rip it up and get rid of it. So, I mean, there, there are ways around to work. Oh, my washer fucking took a shit. I guess I can just go to Rent-A-Center and get a washer and then pay that off and then just not do that again. It sucks because you're paying more, but with credit card, you're still paying interest. So my point is that we've tried really hard. Yeah, we have one car and yeah, we had times where the we have two One's like a 97 Bronco. So it's like 96, 97. Sometimes it breaks down. And then we're like with one car. There's been times my husband drove me to work in the morning. Then he came home. Then he went to his own job. Then he got off of his job, took the kids to jujitsu or guitar. Then he picked me up at 730 at night. So yeah, there's more finagling you have to do sometimes. But my whole point is you can pick to have more time. Maybe if you just choose not to have all the stuff that you want. And if you some people do. They want to have, you know, a ton of things. And then, yeah, you're working 60 to 80 hours a week. So it's just, you know, for me personally, I don't want a lot of stuff. I don't. I do want the time to sit at home and be with my kids as much as possible because I have a 21-year-old and I know, I know that they don't want to hang out with you as much when they get older. You get a small window, like you get like a decade, basically, maybe 10 to 15 years that they truly want to be in your lap, having you redo them, hanging out with them, playing board games with them. And then sometime you know, anywhere from 12 to 15 will go with, they kind of start, yeah, I want to do stuff without them now. They get that independence and they don't want to hang out with you as much. And that's okay because it's normal. But because I know this, I'm like, oh, I've got maybe a couple years left with Evan and like maybe five left with Max. And so, yeah, we want to just, there's time for us to work when we're older, there's time for us to have these crazy hours. And to be honest, I did do those crazy hours. I used to work 16 hours a day out in Cleveland when Miles was in school and he was like five and six years old. And my dad is right. You can't get time back. I can't get the time back that I missed by working and driving and working so far out. You know, on my deathbed, I don't think I'm gonna, you know, look back and 
regret that I didn't work 80 hours a week. I'm going to regret that I didn't spend as much time with my kids. So again, that was something they talked about, time affluence and what makes you happier. But I think that you just have to set yourself up to not buy the most expensive house, to not buy, you know, three cars. And, you know, if you do want those, then know that you're exchanging minutes of your life for it. And again, that does come from a place of privilege because maybe if I was making minimum wage, I would have to work maybe two jobs and I wouldn't get to have time with my kids. So I feel like if, you know, you are definitely poor, fucking time is just, yeah. Oh, I would like to just work part time. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So I think that the fact that we do make more money at our jobs, we're able to do that. So it's just something to think about. I had so many thoughts on that time affluence, which is why I'm talking so long about it, but it was just very interesting. And I am always saying how grateful I am that we do have the, you know, we're able to do that. There was one month like where Mark had all the surgeries and then he went PRN and I was still working part time. But we basically were like, we had it down to, we have to work 15 days a month between the two of us to pay all the bills. We didn't have extra. We didn't have extra to go out to eat. Like, Oh, I want to go to Panera. I want to go see a movie. Like, no, we didn't have money for that. But the funny thing is I've asked my kids before, cause we both work full time. We both work. I mean, there's, we've all done it through the years. Mark stayed home with the kids while I was working full time. Currently he's full time and I'm home. Like we've bounced around over the years doing it. So we each know what it's like, but I've asked the kids like, you know, we both can go back to full time. You just won't see us as much. You know, you won't see me as much. And you know, the weekends I am off, I guess we can go and spend a lot of money and do fun activities. Like what is that? Two weekends a month. You know, is that what you want? Cause we can do that. And they're always like, no, no, we rather have you home. So like out of the mouths of babes, they rather have us home than have the money. Like they're okay with not going out to do all these things that cost money, which is why I'm super fucking thrifty at things that don't cost money and to have fun. So to wrap up the whole self-love month, think about all the things I mentioned to kind of love yourself. And for me, that would be maybe do some meditation, get better sleep, exercise, I try to like not think of exercise as a negative, but more like, look what my amazing body can do. Like I can run currently for a minute and a half at a time. (laughs) Then I stretch it out by walking for two minutes and then running for a minute and a half and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But I know that when all is said and done, I mean, I still remember when I was doing a whole lap around the whole cemetery by me, like, I think it was like two miles when I ran through all the different roads and, but like, I could do that whole lap without stopping. And it felt so good. Like your bodies are amazing. We just have to push them to do things. And I think we all get very complacent because I'm one of them. I just want to eat and watch Netflix. And there's time for that too. But just, you know, let's not make it a habit because then we're going to get heart disease and diabetes and it's going to be terrible. So push yourselves to exercise more, get better sleep, meditate. And I want you to think this week about things that you love about yourself. What are your strengths? What are things that make you you? that people always compliment you on because sometimes we can't see what we love about ourselves, but other people could say, Oh my God, I love this about you. I don't know why we can't love things about ourselves, but so the only thing I could think of that I've had people compliment me over like the last year, two things that stick out. One Mark had told me we had a real rough point this past spring last year. And he gave me a hug and said that he loved how strong I was. He said, I love how strong you are. And I am. And I think that I could take a lot of things before I break. And it just made me feel good that my strength is something that he admires about me. And I have a lot of people tell me I'm funny. I mean, I'm going to say that's a little bit of dysfunction in my upbringing. That's why I'm so funny. But 
guess it's good. It serves some purpose, right? So funny is another one that I get told a lot that I'm funny and I'm strong. So think about things that people have told you, you know, things they like about you and kind of help to boost your mood too and your happiness level and your self-love. What are things that are great about you? You can write them down. I actually read we're supposed to think about 10 things. Clearly, I've only come up with two for myself. But think about 10 things this week. 10 things try to come up with that are great about you and write them down somewhere. So when you're having a shit day, you pull out that list of 10 things and this is what's great about me. So self-love, take care, have a good day.